You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Good afternoon, viewers and listeners. Viewers and listeners. There is no viewers. I'm the viewer because I'm looking straight at you. I was. We was. We was just having a discussion about uh, Google Docs. Um, how I was say I was listening to Leo Laporte's um, Windows Weekly podcast yesterday, and they were talking about how he was talking about how cloud computing. Which, if nobody knows what that is, it's about keeping your documents, etc., in the cloud, as they call it, which is not locally, but trusting server. it to somebody else. They, they only call it cloud computing because people are kind of don't understand the concept of servers and and so cloud is like oh it's just floating around in the sky your data right so your data's elsewhere not on your computer and they were discussing how that is great and i agree in a, in a in a way um but then he was saying that it's also a bad thing because uh, children who get used to using google docs etc then go and get a job in the future and you're looking at me very strange. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to finish, then I'll ask my questions. Go and get a job in the future, and then when, the, when they're required to use like Word, which is like a more advanced version of Google Docs, because Google Docs is very simplified, then they have no idea what's going on. And I'm thinking, what children use Google Docs? Well, a lot, apparently it's the hotness right now, Google oh Docs. Oh, God. And on the other side of that, you and I, and then I said, hey, I think Leo's talking out his ass, because no matter what you do, when you go to a job... After you've got out, of, after you have graduated high school or college, or even going from high school to college, everything's different anyway. I mean, if these are kids using online documents to make word documents and spreadsheets, they're not stupid. So if they go to a job that only has, say, Windows ninety eight, still, <laughs> they're gonna figure it out. So I think he's just talking out his ass. No, I I, I agree in a way. I, don't. I I definitely agree. Cloud computing is. The, questionable the fu- no i think it's the future i think more and more people will rely on online services to keep data it, they wh- will. whatever it may be mp3s i don't think it's a wise thing um i don't trust people and i don't trust i don't trust that anything is permanent ever so to say oh google's gonna be there forever and ever so i'm just gonna put all of my no, not just there. google there are, there are mega there are services like carbonite for instance who um they run a little program on your pc you use your PC day to day, and when you're not doing anything, it uploads an image of your hard drive to their server, right? So whenever your computer crashes or whatever happens, you lose your data for some reason, you log into your Carbonite account, and all your data comes back as it was. That's different. That's backing up what you already have on your PC. Correct. The concept of Google Docs is you don't ever have to put anything on your no, PC. No, but fact, it's wise if to... you don't own your own PC... Go to an internet cafe. Go to work where there is a PC. Go borrow your mom's PC. Type your novel and save it in Google Docs and it'll always be there. I wouldn't trust a novel to an online service. I'm just saying I wouldn't trust anything really except for just the base. I mean, I trust it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think there's going to be some sort of like, <laughs> you know, overwhelming natural disaster and Google is destroyed forever. But don't... People need to stop being so... Like handing over everything to these big mega companies because... You never know. You don't know when all of a sudden the big metal door is going to shut down and go, oh, guess what? We've decided, because a trillion people are using our services, it's now $100 a month. 
and you can't access your documents anymore because somewhere in a clause when you signed up for Google that you didn't read said that once you've uploaded it, Google owns it or whatever the thing is, you signed off with your little, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And now we've decided that's it. So, you know, from now on, it's a paid service. You don't know that's not going to happen. You can roll your eyes and people can go, oh, they'd never do that. But I think they will do that. Well, I'm not saying they won't. No, I do. You can't trust Eventually, Gmail, you'll have to pay for it, probably. It won't be $100 a month. It'll probably be $100 a year, which to me, as a service, is fine because it's actually a really good service for $100 a year. I mean, just the whole Google service, let's say. Gmail, Documents... Yeah, but you're just, you're, let's be honest, you're just pulling that number out of your head. You have no idea. Well, I, I think that's a fair but price. you have no idea. If it All I'm saying happened. is I think that's a fair price for that service. Um, because it is a huge service, and mm-hmm. you literally get it all for free right let's now. Let's not say it, because then they'll do it. I think they will do it eventually. I mean, I'm, not that Google need to make any more money. They make so much money, it's unbelievable. But eventually, I think they will. But anyway, that's Windows uh, Cloud Computing. And I also want to say congratulations to my friend, Luca Bateman. Uh, who has a grandchild now. So she listens, and I just wanted to say that. She has a uh, little grandchild baby. Grandchild baby. So that's Windows Weekly uh, (laughs) and Grandbaby Talk, brought to you by Google. (laughs) And Um, on with the show. So uh, this Saturday, May the 15th, 2010, this is after the show number 122, the weekly podcast where me, A. Scully, and you, Sid Talk, review a movie. And who am I to you? What do you mean? What am I to you? What am I to you? <laughs> what am I? Am I just some chick walking down the street? Yes. Am I some person that you just know online? Just a chick sat in that seat. Or am I the person you're married to? Correct. Happily ever after. All right. Okay, so this is after the show number 122. The movie we're looking at this week is Edge of Darkness on Blu-ray disc. This is from uh, Warner Brothers. Comes out on Blu-ray and DVD Tuesday the 11th of May. So it came out this week. Um... And it's a 2010 release and a 2010 Blu-ray. Interesting. Um, so you're going to tell us what well, it's all about. Well, we're five months in, aren't we? So yeah. You're yeah. going to tell us what it's about. Synopsis. See, on our little... Um, well, as we're not supposed to mention it, but we have like a, a guideline, outline, and it says, Introduce Sid Talk and Synopsis. So this is my little section. It is um, starring Mel Gibson, and it is about... A father on the search for information about what happened to his daughter. And there's lots some government conspiracy shit, and then there's some big company stuff, intrigue. and then there's intrigue and a little bit of action. A little bit of espionage, maybe. There's some kind of thing. thoughtful, um, you know, what, what changes your perspective in life? Is the end of your life coming around change your perspective on things? Does getting scared shitless in a war? He mentions that. You know, it's kind of like, it's very introspective as well. Like, when you have nothing to lose, do you just go down in flames? Do you do what's right no matter what? You know, it's not, it's got a lot of little questions in there. But ultimately, it's a father um, investigating, a cop father, by the way, investigating uh, some nasty business. So when we were watching the movie, when the movie ended at the credits, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be a hard one to talk about because you could spoil the thing... Oh, easily. ...by just saying one word or two words or whatever. So I don't know how we're going to mm. um, beat around the bush this... Hey, <laughs> that's what she said. Beat around the bush this um, episode. But the first thing that came to my mind after watching it is how 
well made this movie is. Yes, that I think we can talk about more than the story even, because it's a solid... It's absolutely... Um, see, I didn't know what to expect, because I knew nothing about it. I, all I knew was Mel Gibson was mm-hmm. in it. I've seen the... We have the poster on our... Um, we have, like, a screensaver that shows posters of all the latest movies that are coming out, and it comes up on the home theater PC, and I go, oh, look, Edge of Darkness, and I see a picture of Mel Gibson, that's all I know. He's, like, firing a gun. That's all I know. So, I didn't know what to expect, but it is... I would say, really well crafted. It's not It's not so much as edgy a seat, but I absolutely, from one moment to the next, want to know what's happening. Yeah. Now. You know, it's it's not like I'm... It's not suspenseful. It's not suspenseful because I personally... I mean, you, you pretty much know the flow of it once you kind of grasp what's happening. So it's not... They're in a big, like, you know, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It's more like... There are some of them. I'm actually interested in him, strangely enough. Um, you know, his character is interesting. He's like a... Not a hard-nosed cop guy. And he's not, like, a softy kind of guy. He's real middle of the road. He reminds me a little bit of Clint Eastwood in... Um, what's the last one he did with the... Gran Torino. Yeah, where he's reserved and there's like kind of a wall between him and the world, and yet he's always brewing. Something he kind of doesn't take brewing. bullshit, but he's just. No bullshit, but he also holds back to kind of really see the big picture. And I mean, I, I you know, I give Mel Gibson credit. He, he does it well. He does the. That's what intrigued me a lot, too. I've never just, thought Mel Gibson did anything bad in any. You know, like, I've always thought that Mel Gibson is good in anything. I mean, we haven't, like they say, we haven't seen him in a movie mm. for a long time. Seven years, did they say? No. It's been a while. I mean, he's made movies without him without him being in them. Apocalypto and Passion of the Christ being the two that I can think offhand. But right. I've never thought he's bad anyway. I always, even Mad Max, I thought he plays, he plays his well, part as well. He's intense, isn't he? Yeah. And um, I think that as a person, he must just be like kind of brooding. and in, But in this... I think it's different than anything you've seen. And that almost is what got me through. I mean, my, my interest was piqued. How's he going to deal with... Oh, what what is he going to do next? What's this character going to do next? And I kind of lost. I mean, you know, you're, you're like, it's Mel Gibson. You can't stop thinking that's Mel Gibson. But there are moments when I'm just like, that's a dude. The father. The cop. I, I forget. And I think that's a that's kind of a tribute to his... To the writing, and I mean, it's good. It's, That's right. what it it's is a about solid this movie. movie. It's well written, like the, it is well written, and the it subject. There's a few melodramatic moments, but you know. it does. But the subject matter, which we don't want to really discuss, because I liked it being a surprise, to be honest, is intriguing mm-hmm. in a <clears throat> big picture kind of way, like you just said. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like a small story at the beginning, which gets much wider than that towards well the conclusion, and. I felt it twisted and turned a bit enough to throw me off several times where I was yeah, like, oh, enough. Really? Yeah, just yeah, enough. Yeah, not a lot. It's not like, um, oh my God, this is like the... It's not M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan Shyamalan. Yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> but it's like, oh, really? I didn't expect it to go that way. And that happened a co- like two or three times for me. So, because um, I thought it was going to be generic at some point. I thought it was going to be... Yeah, and I think that there's an undertone of generic to me. That's why I said you can you kind of get the the vibe of it pretty quickly, but then 
I don't know. There's just some, there's something ways. that elevates it, and that, that's that thing in some movies that I didn't actually wasn't interested in watching a Mel Gibson movie. To be honest, I mean, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, with things you hear in the news and whatnot, and then you're like, I'm kind of over him. I loved Apocalypto. I thought that was like awesome. He directed it. Did he write it? I don't know. I think so. Directed it. I just was, but then once I got into it, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of effort being made here. To do really good, like, there's this fight scene. It was awesome. It was like, it took me back to the Bourne, one of the Bourne yeah, fights. I actually felt like it was a Bond fight. Yeah, it? or the the train fight on uh, from Russia with Love, like we were talking about Bond before. It it does. It was like really gut, like really well done. And you don't you don't always get that in um, actiony kind of flicks. Sometimes they're a little bit overly actorly and. You know, especially when you got a big-name star dude, right? Then you can kind of see the stunt double here and there. You can kind of see that they're not... They're being kind of ginger with him. Like, not really slamming him against a wall. But not in this fight. It was no. really intense. And I, I have a thing about really good fight scenes. Not, and I wouldn't call like, this an action flick. No, there's some action. I mean, there, there is some action. But it's very... It's not... It's appropriate. Yeah, it you is actually. Like, it's not like, oh my god, they just did that because they wanted to see a car blow up or something. Right. Because some movies you get that vibe, don't you? Oh, they wanted to have a car blow up in Times Square, so there's yeah, a car we're going to hit the beat of something big yeah. happening, and then we're going to have a down, and then an up. Yeah, it, it's not like that. No, it's it more feels... like if it if there is some action, it's just to serve the plot and nothing else. It's and this I is a plot slash character driven kind of thing, and I, that sounds really boring, but it really is because you want to know what's happening, and you want to know how's this guy really going to resolve it. Not just him, but there's other leading characters. Like, Winstone is in it. Um, and his character, even though it's dabbled in there, it's like all of a sudden he jumps along for the ride of what kind of decisions is this guy going to make? What role is he really playing so, in actually, it all? Um, what impact is he going to have on the big picture? I was going to say, the characters are so good. The Ray Winstone character, for instance... I would have liked to see. Um, I would like to see a movie just about his. Character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How because his get... character is interesting. Yeah. How in did the... he get to be who he is? Because he's like a questionable. Little and it's an interesting character. Because he's and well you, read. Yeah, and you can tell by what he says. A lot. Of sh- he's been through a lot of shit that you don't know. That you're Nasty not even privy shit. to. Like, yeah, yeah, he doesn't do shit that you want to admire him for, and yet. He's at a stage of his life where all of his education, because he's well-read, he drinks good wine, he knows, he speaks Latin, he speaks French. You know what I mean? You can tell he's kind of like intellectual mixed with uh, brute thug. strength. Yeah, thug. And he's an interesting character. And that kind of picks up where you might start getting like, okay, I've figured out the Mel Gibson guy, now what? And then... The Winstone is, and then he like, steps out of the shadows, and you're like, "Yeah, okay." Now here's another layer to this movie that I yeah. didn't even here's going to be a thug. Oh, it's not uh-uh. not just a thug. Oh, okay. So yeah, I so like. I think it. that I think I feel like um, at the beginning of this movie, I felt like I'd seen this movie before, as in I'd seen a thriller with this kind of mm-hmm. what happens at the beginning kind of thing, and then what mm-hmm. is going to happen. I did feel that. And I can't tell you specifically which movies. Just, you know, I've seen thrillers sure, like sure. this before. And then, like, I'd say 15 minutes in, it deals with a subject that I was like, okay, I don't think I've seen this subject dealt with. And then this subject goes <laughs> deeper than the subject, if you know right. what I'm saying. It, it is. And then they throw on top of there, there's a little bit of um, um, dreamy, not dreaminess, but... Uh, 
sort of subconscious things going on, but not psychological. In it. Yeah, but nothing, nothing no. like uh, just enough that psyche. makes you go like, yeah, I get it, I get that. Not psychic even because no it, psyche, psyche, yeah, yeah. In, in your mind yeah, going yeah. on, yeah. like his psyche. But it's not like you. it's not. Over, it's just right. It's like it just dabbles in there. So a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and. This is... It looks amazing. We didn't mention earlier, it was uh, based on a television miniseries that the BBC did in the 80s. Actually, which was directed by the guy who directed this movie. Um, And when I I just went and did a little bit of research on the TV series that I didn't see, but I was aware of. I remember it being on. I was just too young to get with that kind of movie or TV series. But I just read that it's like renowned world over as one of the BBC's best dramas to come out of the BBC ever like so makes me want to see that I wish that was an extra on the DVD yeah that's what I said that'd be a good extra which it isn't but um maybe it's on Netflix it probably is because it is on DVD BBC I noticed Mm -hmm. it was on but would it be on Netflix as a BBC movie show well I'm sure you could get the disc Mm. I mean maybe not on instant but you could probably get the disc mail to you um but yeah based on this TV miniseries which was like a six part miniseries um like State of Play, which was the one with uh, what we watched with Gladiator Bloke. Got a blank. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, as the newspaper Russell Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe in the newspaper. That was that another was based on a BBC, which was highly regarded. And another I can one see, that has the solid... That, that actually, I would say, yeah, if you like that, you'd love this. It's like, same quality. Like, yeah, lots good quality of detail, story and lots of detail. Lots of... The look of it is... It draws you in. It doesn't have hyper-reality look to it. It's more... It's like... There's a little bit of stylized, but barely. You know, like his home is very... I really like, like the A look. dude who's lived on his own for a long time, and he's very regimented, and he's very... Like I said, like the Clint Eastwood character. Everything and where is it its place. Boston, Massachusetts. I really like the vibe of... Because mm-hmm. it's like a rainy place, and it's kind of sullen, and everything's kind of washed out. It just seems yeah. that the city is... Like that. Like um, Millennium, the TV show I used to like. I think that was Chicago. But it always had this rainy, gloomy kind of... That was Seattle. But Seattle, that's it. I never the watched it. The place where it rains all the time. <laughs> Seattle. So, and it was a, it's, a, it's a gloomy kind of ominous feel to it. And this movie has that all the time. It's like a dark, brooding kind of place. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. And all the sets, they're all like that. There's something a bit... Yeah. Apart from one set in particular, which is kind of glamorous but that's the idea of it yeah 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 um but yeah i I like the look of it it looks good on blu-ray um yeah i think it really does it's it's not a visually stunning movie it's just an interesting kind of no but it's got it's so there's it's in it's hard to describe what as soon as it kicks in there are some movies that it's almost like you're looking at a flat two-dimensional movie sets and props and all that kind of stuff and you you know the the and the story is taking place in that set. And then there are movies where it's like I have tunnel vision and I am actually like sucked into it. Yeah. Like I, I buy it. I buy the house. Every vehicle that he's in or that anybody's in, you're, yeah, you're really they're in like there. Real generic vehicles. I, I, they're I like not generic. No, they get all I mean, but they have Ford, Chevy. Yeah. Exactly. I like that as well. That there isn't just one uh logo that keeps getting shoved in your face. It's all kinds, but even when you're in the vehicle, the way they did it or shot it or whatever they did, it, it like really drew me in. And at every moment, like I was never feeling 
some movies you're kind of disconnected from all the time. Like, I'm aware of the the wall and the screen and I'm in the chair and I, maybe it's a mood thing but sometimes I think there's so much think, quality I there. think there is a mood to the whole film and I think the way it's um, d- cinematographed mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word it is um, that you're always right on his shoulder all the time mm. if you've noticed pretty close if you notice it's like uh, it's not there's none of those wide shots where these two guys sat and you're really far back and they're talking it's all like if it starts out, it, always, it almost always gets right up in yeah, there. Yeah, it gets right up in there. I think that... And that adds to the vibe of personal, I guess. Up mm-hmm. up, like, you're always in the faces. And I think that's what, you, what you're getting at mm-hmm. with the... Because it's like that. It's it's all grim and brooding. I, I wouldn't say... Yeah, I think it is all. It, it's just that city, isn't it? You get it's the vibe of that city. feeling. You know? Like, you can smell it. It doesn't feel manufactured, and yet... I guess that makes it even more manufactured. Because they've worked really hard at making it... I don't know. I don't know, I just felt, as soon as it started, even though I wasn't looking, was, not that I wasn't looking forward to it, but I was real neutral. Like, okay, this is going to be a good, you know, Saturday afternoon. It's kind of rainy outside here as well. Okay, we'll watch the movie and get into it. And then I was totally into it. Yeah, and I didn't really know, all I knew is that image. Yeah, I knew nothing. Well, I'd seen that image on our TV. So, to me, it was, uh, well, it was probably a cop thriller. I'm not mega on cop thrillers anyway. Never have been. You know, like cop mm-hmm. stories. They, they're except you liked um, DiCaprio and you know the mm, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. But I'm never. Yeah, that's like an exceptional cop movie. <laughs> yeah, and Copland is also another exceptional yeah, yeah. cop movie. But you know, in general, detectives on a case seven it doesn't do a ton of st- seven is exceptional also because <laughs> of the circumstance. But you know the. Ma- the, ma- the majority of them. They never really do anything for me. It's just I go along for everything. And... Yeah. But, you know, this one, there's definitely enough different in there to make... Even if you're on the fence about cop thrillers, you, I think you'd be into and it. And if you're on the fence about Gibson because of whatever, you know, the reality of the man, Mel Gibson, things he said and done, it that was me. detract from the acting. Um, it doesn't matter if it doesn't detract from the acting. If you want to just separate it, you know... And just watch it. Then I think because I kind of got you know I kind of separated it, and I'm still not saying for me it doesn't take talent away from somebody. Like Mm, like that's not really the point. Well, you can't separate. I mean, if you found out he was if someone was a child molester, you would go, well, that's okay because he's a really good actor. So I'll still pay for his movies. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it would stop me paying whatever it was. I don't think it would if you know if. I, it wouldn't. I mean, I might not have a high opinion of the man, but no offense, uh, but I think that's a. I can look attitude. at. Well, I can <laughs> say I can look at them completely separate, like a. But it isn't separate. It's the same guy. Like Roman Polanski, for instance. I, I've seen most of Roman Polanski's movies, and I think he's a great director, and he has something going on in his personal life, true or not true, that has kind of, you know, jaded his. I mean, a lot of people look up down on him. Mm-hmm. I don't see it like that. I see it as like, there's his movies and then there's a man's personal life and stuff which is not really anything to do with the, his work. I disagree. Because it doesn't like, it doesn't manifest itself in the work or anything. You're still championing someone who could possibly but it be, doesn't, what in any circle, not just Mel Gibson, anybody. And I'm sure a lot of people do shitty things we don't know about. But then you don't just go, well, we, I accept you because I'll pay for your movie and support your life while I know that you're a wretched, horrible human being. It just doesn't make sense. No, I don't. 
hundred percent have the facts on this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there, there's. I didn't really pay attention to it. I just know that he made some anti-Semitic remarks to a police officer, drunk, mm-hmm. and that's all I know. Now, <laughs> to me, that could be that could be an out of context thing, or you know, I don't know anything else. So, I guess I don't. No, you're that type, though. You just like to see the best in people, and I go the opposite. Right. But yeah, it didn't affect me whatsoever, so I wasn't even looking at this thinking of that. So, <laughs> And I was, but that's an example for you that, you know, it wasn't like I was going to protest the movie, but I was ready with my arms crossed to go, okay, Mr. Gibson, you know. <laughs> and I think he... I think sometimes men have no soul. I don't know. That's, I think he... It's a question. <laughs> well, let's get on to the cast. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mel Gibson plays Thomas Craven, who's the hero. Wouldn't call him a hero. He has some genuinely... I think he's really good. I think it's a really, like, 2010 movies we've seen so far. I think that's one of the best performances I've seen, like, in what we've seen so far for this year to review. Because it's really, uh, really contained. Like they said, even, he's real contained. He holds himself back all the time. Because the character is, like, you know, a dude who doesn't make rash decisions. He has no enemies. He's never... He goes by the book. He's loving... It's not there. Lethal Weapon Mel Gibson, for no, instance. No, no. It's not that cop. It's, it's not It's not he's very, Max. <laughs> it's very weathered, aged... It's not Payback? No. Whereas Payback has, like, a, a mood it's like not, this movie. Broke, it's not Brokeback Mountain. It's not Payback. It's not um, Braveheart. No, but uh, well, I mean, it's not that cop in in Lethal Weapon, the flamboyant kind of cop. It's it's the opposite to that. It's the guy who's been working behind the desk for twenty years. It's kind of beaten down by everything. Very skeptical about everything. Just well, I disagree. I don't think he's beaten down by anything. I think he's extremely on top of things, and he's very. I don't measured. mean. I guess I don't mean that. Then I mean, like he knows everything because he's been in it. Like you don't pull one on he him. Ponders everything. Before yeah. he makes a move. And you like, don't pull a... Um, you, no. Nobody can pull anything over him. He, he, he gets what's going on. He understands how everything works. And that's what helps him kind of take on this thing on his own. Because mm. he really takes it on on his own, doesn't he? He just kind of goes for it. Um, so, yeah, Mel Gibson. Ray Winstone, who has always been one of my favourites, plays Jedberg. Not Jedward. Jedberg. Um I think he's great, Ray Winstone. He's great, but I mean, this is one of those performances where, come on, he's just talking. He's not well, exactly... Well, acting. There's not a lot of... In my opinion, there's no... This is him... I think he's perfect for that role. I, I, w- I would... Right, because of who you think of him as being? Or exactly. because it does, he doesn't bring any certain quality to it. He's, I think he does, totally. He's saying things that a man of his age would be thinking about anyway. In a way that's reserved and a little bit cocky and arrogant, which, you know, it's not out of the stretch of all the other roles he's ever played. There's no, no like, very much there's no like, like oh my god, when he's awesome in this movie. He just is who he is. I mean, he's awesome in Nil by Mouth. That's what he's awesome in. Yes. Um, he's not so awesome in Fool's Gold. <laughs> in this, he's very, very good. I think he brings a... Do you know when we say sometimes that somebody brings like a... Like a... I'm trying to think like a... Like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, like the actor uh, Ian McKellen. Okay. It's like a... I'm trying he to think of the word. He brings himself to it. 
That doesn't make it But it, it adds good. like a legitimacy to some to the part or something, right, rather but, than it being. But what you're then saying is that adds quality to his acting. What I'm saying, what you're looking at, is that trait that you like Ray Winstone, that he has balls of steel, that he holds himself a certain way, and then he speaks the lines. I'm not taking away from the way he does it because he has, you know. An intensity between he and Gibson a couple of times that's like... But it's two aging men having conversations, really gutsy conversations about a really intense subject. I'm just saying, I don't... It's not like, oh my god, he's awesome. It just... I actually actually find him awesome, not just because he's British, like me. I've always liked his work. That's what I'm saying. You bring that with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you apply that to it when maybe necessarily it's not like bowls you over. I feel like, like I, I feel like I don't see him enough in movies because he is really good, right? Um, I mean, I just said to you, I was looking at his list of work, and he's been a British actor for a long time. You know, anybody in Britain will know him from TV roles. <laughs> He'll always be a British actor. <laughs> yeah, but I mean British um, work. Yeah, yeah. People will know that um, from Britain. They, everybody knows Ray Winstone. You know, he's been in all kinds of stuff. But then I noticed after Indiana Jones that he is doing Hollywood movies now. And I just saying to you, oh, we, don't, we don't see him enough. I get the feeling we're going to see him a lot now, from now on. Because he's got like seven movies in the next year. So, you know, you might get Ray Winstone. Um, you might get Meet the Fockers, too. You might get Ray Winstoned <laughs> out. You might get Ray Winstone as the comedic father <laughs> in some... You know what I'm saying? Well, I imagine you will. He could be point. the uncle. I mean, Fool's Gold Stiller. was comedic, wasn't he? <laughs> His role in, ben- in Fool's Gold. Uh, Danny Houston is Jack Bennett. Now, that's the guy who plays the... <laughs> the heavy? The bad guy, I guess. A bad guy? There's a few. Yeah. Is he the corporate guy? Yeah, yeah. He's a corporate guy. He's he, yeah. He's like... He's got a certain thing about him that creeps me out. And at the same time, he's kind of like real super. And sexy. you know what's really you know what's really cool about him? He's not somebody you instantly recognize no, no. as being in something else. Yeah, when you look him up, he's been in a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But but there again, you I felt like he's I'm very not, distinctive. I haven't seen him before, but he's distinctive. I he brings he brings a certain uh, like um, pricky prickliness, and to that's it. what that part needs. Yeah, that one. exactly. I don't want to spoil things, so yeah, let's yeah. not talk about it. Let's move on. Uh, this one I'm going to murder. Bojana Nova, Novakovic. And she plays Emma Craven. And now this is Mel Gibson's daughter right. in the movie. She's good. She's like, um, real, there's a certain uh, kind of grit about her. I don't know what it is. There are a couple of scenes where she's, I mean, like, I'm totally, I would love to see more stuff of her. Because she's really into it, I think. Yeah, I looked her Sincere up and... She's been in a lot of TV, uh, oh. LA Law and things like that, mm. it was. Um, David Aaron Baker as Milroy, that's the guy with the glasses. Yeah, I liked him. Who, it's hard to talk about these people without spoiling anything. I'm just um, going to say, he's quite, mm, I don't know, when he's talking, he's quite sexy to me. I was maybe in that mood today. Kind of like a, <laughs> kind of like a... He's middle management. He's the guy who... Yeah, kind of like a very put together kind of... Organized kind weasel, of weasel. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and then finally, I'd put down Katerina Skorzon as Melissa. I liked her too. And she plays a friend of the daughter. She's really um, good, real intense, and like 
super believable. Not, not in it for long. No, no, uh, but... It's just a small role. The impact was there, because when you were asking who to put on the list, I'm like, that, her, definitely, because she really... The time that you get to know her, you get the whole picture, just from her. Yeah, you do, just her from that one. tone and her, everything. She's really good. And then this is directed by Martin Campbell, who also directed uh, the James Bond movies Casino Royale, the last but one movie, and GoldenEye, which is one of my favourite James Bond movies. That's what got me... I mean, I'd seen James Bond films before, but GoldenEye kind of got me into James Bond. Like, I saw GoldenEye when it came out and then went back and watched all the others, you know? So GoldenEye is responsible for me liking James Bond and owning all of them. <laughs> so uh, Which we watched, remember, a couple of years ago? Yeah, we did. Um, and he also directed The Legend of Zorro, which I really liked. It's the one with... Um, Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Anthony Hopkins that was like I think it's underrated I don't think many people bother I've never it. seen it it's good it's, it's a good kind of in the vibe of Pirates of the Caribbean a fun rompy type mm. it's not not legitimately uh, historical or anything it's just ah. a fun rompy Zorro movie it's good um, but he directed that one and he also directed the TV ser- miniseries that um, this movie came from Edge of Darkness um, I think he's freaking good it's good he's got a quality because if you think about Casino Royale what made that really good is that again it's that it's meaty, meaty like you yeah. feel like you yeah. saw something not just visually you, you, there was a lot to it I, I feel every time I watch Casino Royale that it's the most in-depth James Bond movie deep it's actually deep it's not just action pieces even though there are some it's really intense uh, Quantum of Solace didn't do it justice like at mm. this follow up Quantum of Solace I didn't feel was as good but Casino Royale yeah. it was it's almost like it's like an origin story I guess that's why like the true that's why maybe why it was really good um, but yeah I really like this director um, he's doing some other stuff which I won't men- I don't want to spoil but he's doing some other movies that I was looking at going oh my god that's going to be amazing so keep a lookout for this guy Martin Campbell um, Blu-ray extras there, are, there aren't a ton on this disc um, there's not even a commentary by this guy but there are um, additional scenes uh, which is only a couple one of them I actually particularly like, the one on the golf course. Yeah. I liked that one. It was like better. an alternative scene. I liked that better than what was in the movie. Mm. I just thought it was a bit more personal. Like, um, got a bit more of Jedberg. Like, understood. I mean, just the act that they were playing golf and driving on the... You know, it was just a bit... It was just kind of Dynamic. an insight. Yeah, I liked <laughs> it. Uh, and yeah, and it was just alternative of what the... It was yeah. a bit more moody. The Same version. content. The version but... in the movie was all moody and kind of... Yeah, true. Shadowy, like, whereas this one was kind of bright daylight, just a, a matter-of-fact conversation going on between two guys. Um, but yeah, deleted scenes were okay, they were just brief. But, I guess the biggest extra on the disc is the focus points, which... Focus points are usually um, presented to you as picture-in-picture, picture, but seeing as there's no commentary on this disc, they're just presented as full-screen... Um, which is awesome. Yeah, it is, actually. Can you play all? I didn't notice. Yeah, you could play all. Uh and you know they're just it's documentary like little mm-hmm. featurettes um, about Mel Gibson coming back to the movies 
And there's a lot of behind the scenes happening, a lot of little interviews with everybody as well. The only disappointment for me is the section about the TV series shows you like the vaguest (laughs) clips, like like a car driving down a road and like a no people lights, nothing like the bodies, some bodies in the water. It's like nothing. It's like like you could only get stock footage almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of disappointing. But it is interesting to hear the director talk about his how he worked with the BBC and how in those days. They the just BBC let him do whatever he wanted. Just go and make your thing, and then that doesn't happen nowadays. I'm assuming. Probably not. Um, so yeah, there are these extras uh, revisiting the Edge of Darkness miniseries. Mel's back, director profile, uh, Boston as a character, and more. So it's about six of them. They're not particularly long. So in all, there's not many extras, but you do get a second disc with the DVD of the movie and the digital copy on one disc. So um, it is a two-disc set. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty brief. You know, I would have liked a director's commentary on this one because I think there's a mm-hmm. lot to... Because that director was actually involved in the original miniseries. I'm sure he would have a lot to say on the subject. It's just a shame it wasn't um, capitalised on. Um, I, I don't think it's the kind of movie that would get a special edition later on either. No. I think that's probably it. But um, nice looking on Blu-ray. Very surprised... Good sound. Very surprising movie that... I digged it as much as I, I, I did because looking at it, it looks, even the cover's pretty generic. Very generic. I thought, oh, this is going to be generic. Yeah, Mel Gibson but no, it's absolutely not that. So, you know, it's a good one to, you know, maybe rent and watch on a Saturday afternoon when it's rainy. Yeah. Seems <laughs> the right vibe. So, um, you're going to have to move our new uh, Oh, thing. it's a time. I time think. to go up, 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 up. So, uh, yeah, that's a DVD extra, or Blu-ray extras in this case. Uh, so I would give this really high marks if I... Because um, all around it's good. The only thing lacking is a commentary. And um, that's not a great loss. Because, you know, maybe I can look that up online, read, an art- <laughs> read some articles with the director yeah. or whatever. Um, so I'd give it's it... It's a pretty satisfying flick. It's a satisfying movie because it's une- there's some unexpected stuff and... You know, Mel Gibson's back. He really is. Like, he, it's a good performance by Mel Gibson. It's not shoddy. This director obviously knows how to put a movie together. It's like way good above a lot of thrillers you've seen. Yeah. With a good story. I mean, you know, a good story. It's actually a, a very good story because it deals with something you don't normally see in movies. True. The subject matter is quite interesting, let's say. It's a combination of a lot of things, yeah. It is. But you don't, like I say, at the beginning, I felt like I might have seen this before. At the end, you feel like you never saw that before. Right, right. Because it is different. So, um, yeah, that's the movie, Edge of Darkness, on Warner, Blu-ray, and DVD. Now. You can get it now. Uh, Contest. You can see ascully.com and enter some contests. Next week's Blu-ray disc review will be The Wolfman, the 2010 Wolfman, Benicio Del Toro. Nice. That I learned this week comes with an extra of the original Lon Chaney. Oh, awesome. Wolfman on the it's not on the disc it's streaming so I don't actually know how that works but we will we will talk about that next week it's blue it's BD live enabled or something so and in general we haven't had a problem with that you just throw a disc in and it plays whatever's on there right so yeah you know what I mean it's not like when people go oh streaming it probably doesn't work properly it generally does on Blu-ray I guess it will depend on the day and the circumstance and who knows you, you know what will happen right next week when we review the Wolfman. The Wolfman won't be out for the general public. Right. Because we've got it like two weeks early. So the Lon Chaney movie won't be available anyway. That's probably what will happen. But anyway, we'll we'll be reviewing The Wolfman. 
Movie recommendations this week. I'm going for Michael Clayton, because that's my other... If I have to have a go-to kind of thriller movie that's kind of full of unexpected stuff, I think Michael Clayton is right there. Also, it's kind of got a vibe. Of this, these movies kind of... The gloomy, conspiracy, kind of shadowy... Mm-hmm. Kind of underworld of something. Like lawyers in that one and True. cops in this one. I think they fit together quite well. It'd be a nice double bill to watch. Yeah, it'd be a lot to take in. It would. Because <laughs> yeah. they are both complicated movies. Yeah. And the second one, I just went with Apocalypto. I didn't want to um, recommend a Mel Gibson movie because, you know, Lethal Weapon, whatever. Apocalypto is one of my... I think it's right up there in favourite movies. It's, it's awesome. a fantastic movie. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Now, a lot of people like The Passion of the Christ. I kind of like The Passion of Christ, but I'd never want to see it again. That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? What? That you liked watching Jesus well, the, get beat to death. <laughs> I like... It's a solid movie. I mean, It is a, a solid movie, but I literally do not want to see it again. No. I mean, I don't want to own it. I don't want to like, see I it. I get it. I got it, yeah, yeah, when I watched it. And that was enough. But it's so well made, like Apocalypto. Like he... Mel Gibson's got a... Quality. I, yeah. So, uh, Apocalypto and Michael Clayton. And mine are... I wanted to think of father-daughter themed. And not that this one's fantastic or anything, but it was surprising that Liam Neeson kind of comes out as sort of an action, kick-ass kind of a dude. And it's Taken. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yep. And the title um, tells you in the trailer, his daughter's... Nothing like this movie. To... No, no, no. It's the opposite, almost. Yeah, there's no... There's not that, like meaty uh, it's a Luke Besson it takes you a lot of places it's got action that's kind of like in like ooh, like yeah. really powerful but the thing about it was it's about father daughter thing where a father is driven to the same thing like everything falls away and he will do what he has to to get done because it's, a bit of his mo- love for it's his less daughter. subtle and a bit more in your oh, face oh yeah yeah totally not subtle but um and then the other one is American Beauty because that's another one about a father daughter in a completely different context, but a really solid movie that explores a different kind of father-daughter relationship that, you know, is un- a totally different. Like, you you never see anything like American Beauty when that came no, out. No, so. no, not at all. I don't even think anything kind of went there since. No, really. not really. Because it's kind of very different. I know the different movie. All right, games and a school stuff this week. I've been playing uh, Skate 3 which is the third in the skateboarding series that has kind of taken over from the Tony Hawk um, series. It's um, You saw me playing Skate 3 this week. It's like, uh, I said to you, it's like the best... You know, like, you know, like when um, skate... Well, well, when sequel games come out, they progressively get either better or worse. That happens. I can think of, like, FIFA, for instance, the soccer game. It got really good, and then it went worse, and then... Well, Skate has actually got progressively better, and this one is the best version of Skate. Kind of makes the other two redundant, though. Because, like, they've literally just layered on extra bits that if you miss, if you like them and you went back to the other, you would feel like it wasn't as good. Do you mm, get what I'm right, saying? Yeah. There's, like, just little things that they've layered on. They've layered on a... There's a new mode called Hall of Meat, which is, like... It's basically, I'd, I'd equate it to, if you like Burnout and you like the crash mode. <clears throat> I do. It, it's the crash mode in Burnout, but on a skateboard. Like, the the objectives are, 
do as do as much damage as you can, but to your own body your rather body. than rather than the car or the breaking bone. So it's it's almost like they took well, they own Burnout as well. It's almost like they said what was fun of that that would be a fun mode, and it really is. It's actually more fun than the skateboarding part because they set you up on the top of a massive hill, and it's like two hundred feet down, and you can see a dumpster, and they say fly off the hill and land in the dumpster. You know, things like that, little challenges. It's really fun, and you can do that online or offline. Um, And then the other thing they added this year is they just tried to make it more of a social game, so at any time you can bring up the online menu, and you can invite people off your friends list, and you can all skate together. So, But, like, it's you can do little competitions against each other, but that's not what they were getting at. They were getting at, like, let's just, like, find an area in the town and all skate together, like skateboarders would do in real life, you know? Like a social... We're not really competing against each other, but like, let's see what we can do here. Let's. Today, did you do that? No, I did not do that because uh, not. You don't many, have any friends. No, not many of my friends would have this game. <laughs> um, but you can do that, and you can do that with random people as well. It just doesn't have the same vibe. But if you do go in with a bunch of friends, I can see that being really fun. You know, just talking. And if you have a bunch of friends who like to skateboard, why don't you just get off your butt and go to town and skateboard with? Your Maybe friends? it's raining that day. <laughs> you know. So that's Skate 3. You kids. Um, and that's all I've played this week. Um, but I wanted to mention this. Um, if you go on... Uh, if you're into Steam, well, uh, which is steampowered.com, which is... I'd say it's a content delivery system for the PC and now Mac. That is run content by... Content delivery or game delivery? Well, it also delivers demos, trailers, so... Of... Games. Games, yeah. So a game, game <laughs> delivery system called Steam, and it's at steampowered.com, and it's by Valve, the creators of Half-Life. And what it's essentially become over the years, it used to be just a method of delivering Half-Life to people, because that's what it was at first. If you buy Half-Life, this is how you get it. Now it's a method of delivering PC games to people, and, you know, Valve, it's a really nice interface it patches your games automatically when a new patch comes out so you don't have to worry about looking for patches because PC games has been a mess in the past. It's really good to buy games on Steam. They support indie developers, so there's a big indie section where you can buy games for like $3 that oh, really? you would never have heard of before and they're really good. I might be interested. Yeah, there's demos for all those games. You can try them for a few minutes usually before you buy them. Steam and Valve. There's a theme going on there with those guys. There is. And gals. Um, so, and it's become like... It's the content delivery system for the PC. It's free. Well, you buy your games, but it's free. Steam is free. Yeah, and how it works is you install it. It's like a little client. It has a little store. You go through the store. You find the game you like. You click it. You enter your credit card details. It it purchases the game, downloads it to your computer, and then you own it for life. So even if you reformat your computer and you log back into Steam, it shows up on your list and you can reinstall it. Do they take PayPal? Yes. So... It's a really neat system. It works really well. I bought several games, well, lots of games over the years. Plants vs. Zombies I bought on there, and Grand Theft Auto 4 I bought on there, and, you know, I bought. I actually bought a pack of all the Grand Theft Auto games that they did once, which was like $30 for all of them. Um, and they have um, sales on every weekend. And the sale this weekend, which I just noticed, is uh, Tropico 3, which just came out, which you kind of probably... I mean, it came out about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Um, the game cost $60 in the store. For this weekend only, it's $7. No way. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. Did like, you buy it for me? I didn't buy it for you. 
<sighs> but what what I'm saying is they have sales that's not out of the ordinary like one week I saw Grand Theft Auto for $12 which is normally 60 so you know Grand Theft Auto 4 um, so they do one of those every weekend so even if you're you've never tried Steam it might be worth installing it just to see what comes out because they put stuff in the sale every weekend but anyway my point was if you install Steam now um, the, all this month up to the end of the month Portal which is a game made by Steam which is an amazing game do you remember Portal? Yep. it's free absolutely free wow I mean I don't mean free until the end of the month I mean if you get it now you keep it forever it goes in your Steam account and I mean it's one of the games of the year for that awesome. year so you get the whole game for free not a demo nothing just the whole game they've just when they released the Mac client for uh, Steam this week as a celebration, they gave away Portal to everybody. So, if you've never installed Steam, it's worth it just to get that game if you've never played it. Because, I mean, it literally is free. It'll run on most PCs because it's a few years old. It's not high... It doesn't need high-intensity graphics card or anything. It's basically a glorified puzzle game. It is, with an interesting story mm-hmm. that kind of ties to Half-Life if you... Yeah. If you well, t- kind of t- ties to all of Valve's other games. And there's cake. And there is, and there's an excellent song if you finish the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely worth installing and free. You can't. I mean, a triple A blockbuster game for free doesn't happen very often. Um, now this week, Tuesday onwards, is probably the biggest week for games outside of Christmas. You know, um, because the ch- the kids leave school right this week coming up. Awesome. So all the publishers try to hit this week because I guess parents buy the kids like leaving gifts or whatever. I don't know. We forget college also, and we're talking about eighteen to twenty-two year olds. It's a good time for kids to go and buy a game, I guess. So everybody tries to hit this week. So what we've got this week coming out, which I'll talk about next week, but this is the list of games: Alan Wake, um, Split Second, which is a new racing game, Red Dead Redemption, which is Rockstar's. Redemption? I thought that was the other one. No, this is this one. Red mm. Dead Redemption. Red Dead Revolver was the oh, other one. Oh, right, right. Red Dead Redemption is Grand Theft Auto in the West <laughs> by Rockstar Games. I have nothing but... Um, love. Love for it. So <laughs> I have purchased and it will arrive on Tuesday. Trauma Team, which is on the Wii, which is a um, operating game. Right. Where you cut people's... Like operation? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you know what's really funny about it? No, Well, not like operate, like a realistic version of operation, right? Right, and what's Into really Wii funny? Wii. What's really funny on the box? It says because uh, this is like the third in the series, and I played the others and they're quite good. And this one says like now with endoscopy mode. Oh, great! So now you can use your Wii remote to look up somebody's ass. That's not just for your ass. Well, this looked like an ass while I was looking at. Yeah, endoscopy is just it's a camera. It, yeah, it, it means you're looking at a monitor while the camera's inside the person in any orifice. This or looked hole. like ass surgery to me. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. But that's fun, because, I mean, you don't often get to look up somebody's ass in a game, do you? It's not necessarily what it means. But. So, that's not it for games this week. Trauma Team. Uh, Bit Trip Runner, which is the latest in the Bit Trip series on the Wii, which is that really small developer. I think there's two people who work at Gaging Games. And it's their next in the series. You remember Bit Trip, the one where you hold the Wiimote and it's like a, a um, Pong. You move the paddle. And oh, you hit yeah, the ball, that's hard. And it's like music, uh, like a music-based game. Well, this is the fourth in that series. There's been Bitrip B, Bitrip Void, Bitrip Core, and now Bitrip Runner. 
which is a one-button game. Like, they always try to innovate. You just press one button to play it, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Prince of Persia, Forgotten Sands, which is the new Prince of Persia game, not based on the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Right. Um, It's not him in the game or anything. It's just the actual new Prince of Persia game, so there's that one. And finally, there's Trackmania for the Wii, which is a racing game for the Wii, which where you can create your own tracks, which looks really cool. Um, so that's a huge week for games. And the week after for games is even huger in a way. I mean, uh, it's Super Super Mario Galaxy 2. Which right. Super Mario games are, like, amazing. And it's, like, the, the uh, second... In the well, they don't ever do sequels to Super so Mario. Do you just consider yourself like a massive Mario fan, or do you just? No, I'm absolutely a Mario fan. Yeah. It's one of the games that started me in games. And if I had to say, like my like five best gaming experiences ever, one of them would be Super Mario 64, because I went and bought a uh, Nintendo 64 on launch day. I queued up at midnight to get one. And I got Super Mario 64, and I came home, and that was... It was literally before we'd even seen 3D games, and it blew my mind. Because <laughs> it was a real... You can move the camera, it's not a flat game, it's all in 3D, it looks amazing, and the game is just... It's like a sublime game. You're like, everything's perfect. Everything. <laughs> You've never played it, but no. it's, it's literally a perfect game. I don't think anything surpassed it to now. I mean, the 64 version is the one. But this is Super Mario Galaxy 2. It's the first time they've ever done a sequel to a Mario game. I mean, they've done Super Mario 1, 2, and 3, but this is actually like a direct sequel to Super Mario Galaxy, which is the Wii game where you run around the planets. You you saw me playing that um, when it first came out. Did I? It's a long time ago, but it's it's like a spherical worlds that you kind of, you can run gravity and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's the sequel to that. So that comes out next week and then Blur which is a racing game that I've been really looking forward to also comes out next week well the week after I'm talking in the future <laughs> so um, yeah that's games uh, so only one game to talk about this week but there'll be lots next week and you have well last week you kind of uh, whined a little let's be very honest that when I told you I didn't really bring up a lot of topics because by the time we're at this point of the show you get very disinterested because you don't actually care huh? what I have to say huh? exactly huh? you deny it but that's bullshit because I know you don't you're, you're like you're basically done don't really care you've heard everything I've had to say no what, what I actually said to you was by this time my voice is usually giving up yeah yeah because I spoke a lot whatever I've been married to you a long time I know that's a bunch of crap but this week I decided, screw it. I'll just say whatever. And I've already talked about a lot of this stuff. But I will tell you once again. What's for dinner? Well, we're going to have veggie subs. Veggie submarine sandwiches. On some groovy bread that I bought at uh, Hy-Vee. Just kind of a square, nice, toasty bread. We'll see how that goes. And then some soup. I got some butternut squash soup. Um, a couple of my topics are... I went through my folder of artwork that I did, like... I guess if it was like 1990 or so, when I was living like this crazy man, <laughs> his name was Carl, and I've been, that's another topic to discuss, I've actually been talking to him on Facebook, and he's still semi-crazy, but he did bring back to my mind to go look in that folder, because there was one drawing that I did of him, he's sitting with his guitar in like this very 80s suit and a very 80s hairdo, and it's not a very good drawing, but then I started looking through all my other drawings that are in there, and I was like, wow, these are better, I think, than things I've drawn in the last, like, ten years. So, 
That's kind of interesting. So it kind of inspired me to maybe look through them all a little bit closer. But then I, we were talking about when you're in your 20s, everything's like hyper sharp and like, you know, everything bad that you think has ever happened to you, you wear like a badge. And so when you're artsy or you draw or you make music or whatever, that all kind of pours out you're in, in a your artwork. You're in a different vibe at this age. Totally. And I can see that in these drawings and stuff. And now, because I mean, I'm happy, I'm satisfied with my life, there are always things that piss you off and irritate you, you know, but basically I have nothing to be like, um, what do you think, what do you say, like, um, I don't mad know. about? Yeah, nothing, well, I don't have a lot of things to be mad about, but I mean, in the gut, in my gut, I'm not... I'm not, like, depressed or worn down by anything, you know? I mean, I'm pretty, uh, you know, life is awesome. A lot of things piss me off. A lot of things irritate me. But I don't have anything to, like, spill out onto a piece of artwork. Like, gut-wrenching pain that I... So it was interesting to go back and look at that. And I was going to remind people have been... I always look at Post Punk Kitchen at their blog. And they're the ones that wrote Veganomicon, which we're not vegan or anything. I bought you that for Christmas. Yes. And I've adapted some recipes from it, and it's awesome to read. Veganomicon's a vegan cookbook. Right. You don't necessarily have to be vegan to enjoy it, because there's stuff in there. No, it's really good. It's very... I mean, just add it to things that you already eat. doesn't throw meat in them. I don't... There's no, like, police going to come to your house and say, don't put butter in that vegan dish or whatever. Mm. But their, their blog is quite interesting, and they've got a really good sense of humor, and they're not like in your face activists or anything like that. It's just a good if you like if you because I have a lot video. of sites. They do, don't they? They do some video yeah, recipes. Yeah, I saw a video on your Facebook. Yeah. This there are loads of them. But um, Everyday Dish was one that I also found on YouTube where they do a lot of. Um, I think, excuse me, I think they're all vegan, from the ones I watched. I don't think just vegetarian. I think that vegan. one on Revision Three, um, Food Mob. Yeah, he's also, not. He's not vegetarian. He's not vegetarian, but it's an interesting food. I like that show. Yeah, it's all meat. Pretty much every single so far, one. yeah. But he's only just started, and he's I mean he's fine. It's a good show though, but he's it's kind of like hammers you with the uh, the whole like every single dish has, and, and you know I don't expect everybody to be into health or anything. I'm not either, but you know, and he's into into he's entertaining. But the post punk women, I really I don't know. It's a it's an interesting site, and so postpunk.com postpunk kitchen. Just do a search for it. Right, postpunk, post-punk kitchen food mob and. Uh, everyday dish on YouTube. Right, okay. they're pretty good. Um, and what else? This week I had a couple of nights because I take some medicine for the stupid inflammation in my knees, and my hip. You know, supposed to help with the pain, and it kind of, sort of does enough so that I don't want to. I've stopped taking it a couple days at a time, and I can really tell the difference. So this week I went and got the prescription refilled, but they changed it, so it's like almost double the dosage. Why? Um, because the first one had Tylenol mixed with this pain medicine, which lowered the dosage of the actual medication itself. And then this time, I don't know why, the doctor, she had no explanation. Doesn't sound um, right to me. I know, it's very weird. But I started taking it, and because it, I had gone off it a couple of days, it's one of those that you're not supposed to like you go off and on. feel vomity. I felt so shitty at work. I was at work all night, didn't take off work. It overcame me as if, I don't know how to describe it. Like, there's, like, oh, like, I'm going to throw up, but I know I'm not going to throw up. And, like, my head hurts. And I'm, I was, like, a zombie. I felt so weird and, like, whoa, you know. But I went to work, and it was like, and every minute I made the effort to 
get my task done. You know, I mean, I was luckily I was alone that night at work pretty much. So I didn't have to really deal with anybody or answer a lot of phones or anything. So I could just do a lot of deep breathing and like some stretching and just focus and focus and just really mind over mattered it. Now this wasn't like, you know, it's not like I have a gaping wound somewhere that's bleeding. It's just a really bad pain and feeling sick. And it's just one of those days when I was kind of proud that I didn't give in to the urge to just say, fuck it, I'm going home and getting in bed. So the moral is don't take hardcore medical. <laughs> well, you know, you gotta make oh. that you gotta take the good bad with the good sometimes. And I've taken it for a few days now and every night at work it really still gives me that like huh, like I'm total my brain wants to go to sleep and yet I'm not sleepy. It's very bizarre, but I think it's just getting used to it. So sometimes and sometimes I totally give in. I might wake up and have a headache and think, Nope, I am not going to work without any argument whatsoever, I'm just giving in to it. And that night it was kind of like, mm, I'm just gonna see I'm not gonna die from this. I know what's causing me to feel bad. I can still perform my duties, you know. Duties. My duties. And so I just did it, you know. And then I thought, how do mothers and parents in general, because I have a lot of friends who are mothers who have three or four kids, when you wake up on a day and you feel like complete shit. They just go through it, don't they? I guess. They I do, mean, is that, are those the days when you are terrible to your children because you're in such a bad, pissy mood? I don't know. So, Maybe. yeah, <laughs> just one of those days. Um, tomorrow I'm going to a high school graduation of my best friend slash cousin's son who obviously is 18 years old, graduated from high school. It's her second son to graduate. And it's one of those weird things. I've gone to high school graduations, clearly my own, and a couple of others of nieces, nephews, whatnot. And it's a very weird experience, I think. Because it's so canned. It's such a packaged thing. There's a speaker, and they come out Mm. in their outfits, and they walk down the thing, and people are taking pictures, and there's... uh, you know, it's a very, it's ceremonial. I mean, that's what a ritualistic thing is. And I just think it's like, it's almost depressing. It should be optimistic. And, oh, you're about to start your life as an adult. And here's your whole life ahead of you. And da 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 You think it's like, we're, yet, we're done with you now. Fuck off. Uh, no, it's almost like, yes, adulthood has a lot of, and life has a lot of awesome things to, to come, right? I mean, me more of hitting my 40s, I think I've settled more in. To the good things. But between high school and now, a lot of bad shit goes on in your life. Between high school and now. Between oh, age yeah, yeah, 18 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and 40. 18 is the worst time. I Unless think. you do nothing <laughs> in your life, right? Unless you just sit around and really do nothing. You will never experience have any... I mean, everyone has pain and trauma and stuff. And I probably haven't had my share like a lot of people have. But I mean, seriously... You get you leave high school or school and you're in your case would have been sixteen with this like ah oh, the world I'm going out into the world it's gonna be awesome and I get to have an apartment I'm gonna get a job and no, uh, you know I don't think I ever felt like that um, I did because there's an element of fantasy like I'm gonna break free from the chains of this stupid fucking high school and school in general in this small town I was from a small town get out and and like experience everything and I did. Experience a lot of things over my college years and my 20s and in my early 30s. Um, having met you and whatnot, been married a couple times, I've done a lot of things, been a lot, of, been a few places. And I just think it's like a, it's like a, 
you know, you can put on your rosy glasses at a high school graduation and just see all the promise and the, oh, the potential and life is grand. And yet I don't always see that. I sit there thinking, wow, you people have no idea what is right around the corner. So you like steal your mind. That's like like from uh, Sherlock Holmes. Steal your mind they have and a your soul a little bit. If you think about it, though, all those kids there on that day, it's a totally different thing in that Oh, of course. Years. That's what I'm saying. When yeah. you're that age. You, and you, you really do. Well, you don't think any further than five minutes. You really don't. No. You don't, and you shouldn't. No. I'm not saying that, oh, my God, you should all of a sudden when you're 18 decide to never make decisions and, and take any risks in life so you never have any pain or whatever. I'm saying balance it out. Be aware that you're going to make some bad decisions and they're not going to turn out great. And you're going to have a lot of trauma and drama and pain and suffering and mix in there all of the good times. You know, just don't take either one for granted or let one or the other overpower you. And you know, good luck to you, high school graduates. <laughs> this is your pep talk. <laughs> There'll be a lot of them this week and next week, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In the next few weeks for sure. And then uh, my last thing is, do you have this problem on your website where you see a bunch of comments and someone will say something obviously pertaining to a a post that you've done or a picture you've posted or something like that, and yet it's got that vibe of um, spam? Can I tell you what I do with those? So say it's a comment on a review, like one of our DVD reviews, and it says something like, yeah... Mel Gibson is great. I loved him in Lethal Weapon. And that's all it says. But then there's also a URL. Yes. Like selfmedicating.com. Exactly, exactly. What I do is I'll post the thing, but I will edit it and remove the link. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't even go that Just effort. to show them. Because they might come back to go, oh, I got free link. Oh, no, you didn't. See, I don't think they're coming back to anything. I think it's a very... Right. Well, yeah, but, I, I will. Unless but then, it's, again, then again, someone from freemeds.com yeah, might have read your review and, and then that's it. why I want to post it. Because sometimes it is totally relevant. But sometimes I can't yeah. figure it out. And sometimes I know exactly that it's because it'll say, Mel Gibson, Herbal Essence something. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a like, weird what? jumbled thing. But yeah, some yeah. of them sound sincere. I just spam them all. I say they're all spam. See, I, I don't. And I do get quite a few during the week. And uh, I... I do have a... So if you're a legitimate person coming to my website, which is sidtalk.com, and you want to make a comment on any of the stories or recipes, or I write a lot of stuff about life, and you know, if you're interested in... On sidtalk.com, same thing. Right. If you want to make a comment, then always refer to something, obviously you're listening to this now, either something specific about us, or say, like this week, hey, this isn't spam. I'll post your Like URL. this week, I got one comment on Wisconsin Death... Death Trip, which was a movie we reviewed mm-hmm. several years ago, and uh, it was it was a message that said, "I really like this guy. I love the novel that it's based on." Now that could be spam, right? Because there was an odd link, but then it said, "I read the whole review, and I noticed that you said in the extras there's an essay." I couldn't find the essay on the disc, and I realized that the essay's in the box. It's a piece of paper with an essay. Oh, right, right. So I, then I realized this is really somebody who's asking me something. Yeah, it's, it's questionable, not, though. It's well, like, at it's, the beginning, I was like, and there was a questionable link. I was thinking, Yeah, your first seems, instinct is very skeptical. But because, I don't think that they've gone to two paragraphs worth of... Because on both of our sites, you have to type in a code to post, to post a comment. Yeah. So you know somebody has done it. 
And yet, you know, somebody sitting in at computers all over the world. Yeah, somebody did it purpose. because there is no program that can look at that image. Right, yeah. but some people do that all day long. Just post spam mm-hmm. on blogs and. I mean, and somebody WordPress. took thirty seconds to a minute of the time to post that right. or longer. So it's hard to tell the difference. So if you really do, and you know, I'll post your link. It just is. Uh, and I read every comment on aschoolie.com and we get a lot during the week. And I would say 80% of them are spam. Really? Yeah, yeah, me too. And I post the, I, I let the ones go through that I really believe. But I generally will remove your link, even if, even if it seems like a legitimate comment. The website link, yeah, which I'm might not, be... I'm not leading anybody that I know I'm or not care trying about. To promote somebody. And if people are reading my site, it's generally just people who I know. And I care mean, about. I care about your comments. I just don't care about what you're trying to promote. Yeah, when yeah. You say that. And I'm not leading anybody to some bullshit thing where you're selling them some shit no. or where you're trying to trap them into something. Because I'll tell you right now, I don't want people getting mad at me. Screw off. over some link they clicked on my site. Yeah, or just it's just evil. It's just cruel. So. You know, it's like that thing Cheapy D said on the Cadcast where somebody emailed him did you, in his email and it said, Your site's a load of effing shit. Where are my five free MP3s? Oh, right. 35. Yeah, like that. You know, because like, at some point there was like a, a, a banner ad that said, Get 35 free right. MP3s. And they blaming it specifically on that person. Like when it's a campaign by somebody else, you know, it's. So I. Our advertising on com is really... We just have Google ads. I don't have anything offensive. I don't have any weird spyware links or anything. And I try to keep them out of comments. So that's the... If your comment gets... Yeah. Um, and don't of, be offended if your comment gets deleted or never shows up. If you care enough, uh, I make I read everyone, so... Make um, another one and say try not to be so Try not to be like so vague or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because those vague ones where it says, I like Mel Gibson... <laughs> and that's it. But there's a link to free meds online. I'm like... Yeah, because we're not interested in uh, lots of comments. We don't give a shit who... I don't care how many people read it and, and let us know that they're reading it. That doesn't affect me at all. Yeah, and if you looked at it, there are a lot of comments on com Because during the week, there's a lot of comments. Even going back to reviews we did years ago, people find them and leave comments. Really? Um, and if you ask a question, I always answer it because I see all of them. They come to my email, so... I do reply to them all. Very nice. Which I don't think many websites would do. A lot don't. I made a comment on one yesterday because I was really inspired to... <laughs> Did you leave a link? No, didn't <laughs> mention anything. At, well, no, I didn't actually. Um, I put my Good. email because it required it, but um, didn't mention anything about who, my website or no, I don't. nothing. It was just I was very compelled because I get very tired of people who make podcasts... Anyone. And I've listened to several different types. And I've heard it sprinkled through different types. I've heard your gaming people say it. I've heard movie people. I've heard cooking people. I've heard vegan people say it. And they get in this little tone of like, oh, it's just, you know, it takes so much time and, and, and effort to get this podcast put together. And, and, and I'm giving it to you for free. And so when people make negative comments, it's like, you know, you really should just basically just take, like, shut up, basically. And I think... Okay. I mean, if nobody's so forcing you to do it. Like, Correct. If it's well. so much effort, Don't guess what? The world survived fine without you. It survived fine without us. And if you disappeared off the face of the internet, no one would care. So quit pissing and moaning about it. Well, I like to think our <laughs> listeners would care if we disappeared. Well, they'd care for a little while, but let's be honest. I mean, if your podcasts go away, you miss them for a little bit, and then you go on with life. Exactly. You know? But all what I'm saying is, I was compelled by a podcaster... 
what he said over and over and over about... Yeah, don't whine if you're making yeah. a podcast. If you're making it, you're making it off your own back. You don't have to make it. Don't make it if you And if, Seriously, I have a good time doing it. If you're not having a good time doing it, and if you're expecting some kind of monetary return, like some prickhead, don't tell me about it. Be a little more sneaky or subtle. <laughs> prickhead. <laughs> you know? I don't know. It just really riled me up, so I had to write a little thing. The, and- the mental image that goes with prickhead. It's just not right. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for listening. That, are you... Is that all your uh, topics? Is that enough? Yes, you told good. me last night, don't hold back. So. Thanks thanks for listening to the... Um, that's what she said. Thanks for listening to the podcast. That's what I said. Um, I want to remind you about our websites, ascoli.com and sidtalk.com. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can subscribe to this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or just click on the go to ascully.com, A-S-C-U-L-L-Y.com. Click on the word podcast, and we have all our subscription details there. You can use anything you like to subscribe, including Google Reader, mm. as we found out a week ago. We e- are zombies of the Google world. E- email feedback to me at ascully.com. Don't email, comment, or anything to Sid Talk. You can comment to me. Yeah, just but make don't me know it's personal. Comment, but don't leave a URL. <laughs> And you can, um, that's it. Uh, So next week we will be reviewing The Wolfman, Stay Classy, Mel Gibson. Keep your remarks to yourself. Be classy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get drunk and yell to policemen. Uh, Um, And and I'm going to say think for yourself, everybody, because if you don't think for yourself on your own, someone's very happy to come along and do it for you.